Okay, let's watch, see what happens here for us. This is always good stuff here. Okay, we're, we were in First Chronicles 6. Look how long that, 81 verses. Good grief. This is the sixth chapter. Let me drop down in here about 57 here and see if we can pick up a little bit. Oh, uh, let's see. Notice verse 54 in First Chronicles 6. And remember, by, just for fun, let me back up a second. Let's back up all the way to 1. These are the earliest generations of mankind. So it actually chronicles. It started with, uh, 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 you know, these, there's, there's several genealogies that they're showing right here. But look at that. And I pointed out last time, remember, Chronicles is way over here. It's already a third of the way through the Old Testament. Well, of course, you wouldn't be able to chronicle anything in Genesis. It just started here. So you've got all this history down through here. And we're picking up right here, which is really Chronicles, once it starts giving some history about some events we're getting a little pieces of events in the genealogy which is fantastic because it's like landmarks you know okay but anyway uh these group together first and second samuels first and second kings because those are volumes all the kings about 20 of them on one side there's basically the kingdom they got mad at each other and they split right in two okay after king david and king saul after king saul had a wonderful kingdom his son rehoboam was basically a moron, okay? And so they split. They said, forget you. So they had their own. But anyway, so these, these, these two sets, first and second, first and second, first and second, they kind of overlap. They tell the same stories in, oh, 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 some of the same stories. But chronologically, they're, they track perfectly. So anyway, so in Chron- First Chronicles 1, verse 1, you see it starting. This, it's, this is like genealogy. But there's interesting things inside that genealogy. They'll talk about their sisters. They'll talk about their lives and stuff, some things that happened. So here we go. We got all the way to uh, the sixth chapter. And these were the sons of Levi. But we're not going to go through it again. But I'm just going to drop down. Let's pick up where we were. We were down here about, oh, oh, there was pasture land here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I thought there was. Anyway, verse 66, the tribe of Ephraim right there. Then it talked about some cities of refuge, which Moses had mentioned that the Lord said they had to set up. And and so they're they're referencing, here they are. Here's the names of these cities. There's another tribe. Remember the 12 tribes of Israel. There's Issachar. There's another one. Asher, there's another one. And we just read there was, uh, there's Naphtali and then Zebulon. And so here we go. We're closing out this chapter here. But remember, it's just one long, big diary. So you go right into the seventh chapter. Here we go. The sons of Issachar, uh, it says Tola, Pula, whatever, these guys' names. The sons of Tola, each of whom was the head of a subclan. Uzzah, Repham, you see the names. Okay, now look, whoa, look at this. At the time of King David. So see, you can't just go, well, it's a spiritual book, and, and you just get metaphysical, metaphorical stories out of it. No, you don't. This is a record. At the time of King David, who obviously must have been a real person. Oh, of course. The total number of men of war from these families totaled, totaled 22,600. Uzziah's son, now who was Uzziah? Well, actually, oh, anyway, we'll, we'll just keep clicking. All right, so who had five sons? Michael, Obadiah, Joel, they were all chief subclans. Their descendants at the time of King David. So, so this record here we can see they're, they're going to mention at the time of King David. Okay, now remember that was, <laughs> King David clicks off pretty quick because he killed that giant when he was not even, you know, he was very, very young, shall we say, extremely young, not just a teenager. They would have taken a teenager easily. He was ruddy, they said, a ruddy lad. He was just, a, whatever, 
The giant even said, what'd you send this guy out with sticks and stones? Am I a dog? Mm -mm. He didn't say, bring it on. I can take you. All right, here we go. So these five warriors, they were subclans of 22,000, sons of this guy. Okay, at the time of David. So see, we're seeing this thing at the time of David. Let's keep clicking. Here we go. Time of David. Uh, these warriors. Okay. Sons of Naphtali. So it's summing them all up. Sons of Manasseh. Uh, notice this. Look at this. <laughs> Born to an Armenian concubine. What's, what's that thrown in there for? These people are drunk and making this up. And, no, that's actually the record. It was Maker, look at this. It was Maker, verse 15, who had wives from Huppen and Shepen. Whoa, let's see if we get a note over there and see what that is. Okay, it says, see, 1 Chronicles 7 12. Okay, note on that. Uh, Makar's sister was the Another descendant was, uh, look at this, how the notes are in there. He only had daughters. Why do they know that? It's because these are real events. Maker's wife was named Maka, born. Uh, him a, uh, born him a son. She named him Peresh. His brother's name was Sheresh. He had sons named this and this. Okay. These guys' names, we're going to keep clicking here. Let's just keep zipping. Okay. Uh, look at this. Why is this note in there? Elid and Ezra attempted to rustle cattle. <laughs> Wait a minute. But they were killed by local farmers. Yeah, that's probably something that would have happened at Cloud's Cove too, right? You go messing with people's stuff, you're going to get in trouble, you know, you know. Their father, Ephraim, mourned. Well, we know who Ephraim was. Ephraim was, uh, he's one of the 12. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's one of the 12 sons. And it says their father, Ephraim, mourned for them a long time. Their brothers tried to comfort him. Anyway, afterward, his wife conceived and bore him a son, whom he called Bariah, meaning tragedy. So he named his kid after his other kids who thought they could get away with stealing cows got killed. Then it says he's got a daughter. Ah, oh, the women are nothing. Well, they're in the genealogies. They make reference to him as like a, a, a milestone marker or a... Anyway, she, look at this. She built lower and upper Beth Horon and Uzan Shira, whatever that is. We'll just say New Hope and Owens Crossroad or Huntsville Indicator. I thought women were nothing. She built these two cities. I don't think they were nothing. You know, I don't think so. A lot of women we see in the Bible have done some phenomenal things. This is Ephraim's uh, line of descent. So it's, it's showing you coming down from Ephraim. Okay, let's just skip through that. We just got some names there. There, look at that. Now, if you see something familiar, Nun, the father of Joshua. Remember, we hear Joshua, the son of Nun. There you go. That's that list. How did that track? Because these genealogies are actually, they're factual. Here we go. They lived in the area bounded on one side by Bethel and its surrounding towns on the east by Nerar, or Neran, and on the west by Gezer and its villages, and finally, by Shechem and surrounding villages as far as Ayah and its towns. Okay. So remember, these th all these things they're listing, they're speeding up all the way from Adam, all the way through Moses, all the way down through the promised land, all the way down to King David, we can see. So that's where we're summing these things up. It's fixing to kick off with David in just a moment. But anyway, oh, these sons, these sons, these sons. Okay, I see that. Okay, keep clicking here. 38, 39, verse 40 is the end of this chapter. These, these descendants of Asher, Asher is one of the 12 tribes, okay, were, were heads of subclans and were all skilled warriors and chiefs. Their descendants, look at this phrase, their descendants in the official genealogy. They had time, they took time, it mattered. The official genealogy, wow. Okay, chapter 8, the sons of Benjamin, he's one of the 12 tribes, he's, he's listed them here, we're not going to go through them all, but just, let's just keep watching and see what we see here. They see where they, were, where they lived. Look at verse 6 and 7. 
They were living at Geba and were captured in war and exiled to Manasseh. Well, why were they exiled? Remember in the promised land? After Joshua died, man, the whole place, the book of Judges, it fell apart. Oh my gosh. I'm glad the Baptist told us about this verse. No, the Baptists are not going to tell you about this verse. They're just going to say, God hates divorce. You know. Well, is this a spiritual point? No, it's a historical point. This guy named Shaharim, whatever, we'll just call him Steve. He divorced his two wives. And that's all the information you need to know because I'm sure we could figure out what happened. It doesn't matter. Same story no matter what. Why is it in there? Because this is part, it's, a, it's, it's the genealogy. It would make sense, you know, to make a record here. Well, he divorced his wives, this name and this name, but he had children in the land of Moab by Hodesh, his new wife. Well, he got him a new one. All right. Bible falls apart. No, it doesn't. It's a record, okay? And we don't need to fall apart either, you know, because you get involved and you think that, you know, life ends when you have a divorce. Man, remember, go back to 1 Corinthians, and it's talking about your husband and wife. You do not know whether or not, let's say, if you marry somebody who doesn't know Christ, you do not know if they'll ever make that decision. And right on the other foot, you do not know anything about somebody else. People can go sour if they want to. You can't blame it on the Lord and say, well, I just don't understand. I mean, the preacher always talks, don't get divorced and my husband. It's about you and Jesus, not about your marriage and whatever. It's not. It's just not. In a perfect world, be great. But, you know, good luck with that. The main thing is when father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Same thing's true. If your husband forsakes you, don't let it wipe you out. You don't. The Lord will take you up. Your husband, your wife, I mean, me, me, we, we men can fall apart too. You, I have movies. The guy blows his brains out because the girl left. Or he might have been married to her for 30 years. I'm sorry. But don't blow your brains out. <laughs> you know, God will take care of you. He will, you know. Now, I know they always say no woman's worth that or no man's worth that. But the pain is there. I understand the pain. But you, don't. Don't think that because the Bible is just is, is supposedly, and you're thinking of the Bible, divorce is like, oh my God, I'm just an outcast. Nobody. I, look, again, that's why I mentioned that. He didn't even say nothing about it. They just said so-and-so. He divorced his first couple of wives. First off, <laughs> how do you have two? <laughs> yeah, that's another subject. Didn't seem to hurt anybody's feelings, did it? It just, it was a record. So anyway... So uh, his this new wife Hushim she bore him a tie uh, whatever a a, a bathtub and well, these two sons whatever let's keep clicking okay and it names where they were at his other sons were this okay let's keep clicking click 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 see if we see anything else here uh, these guys where they lived and uh, the sons of Jehoram look at that we got Elijah here hmm okay we have to check see might be it could be anyway these are the chiefs of sub clans living at Jerusalem Jael the father of Gibeon verse 29 lived at Gibeon and his wife's name was Mekah well, why did they keep the wife's name well it's because they got them they know who these people were all right so all these families live near Jerusalem there was the father oh we're starting to get somewhere now I see something coming Nair was the father of Kish. Remember, we're looking at the Benjamin line. And we got somebody in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who showed us that he was descended from Benjamin here. But anyway, Nair was the father of Kish. Kish was the father of Saul. Saul's son included. Remember the stories about Saul in 1 Samuel? He had a son named Jonathan, had several more. Remember, Jonathan was big friends with David. And there's old Mephibosheth. Look at that. The sons of Micah, just breaking these things. See how they had the record? Record, 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 record. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Keep clicking. This is the end of that chapter. 
Elam's sons were prominent warriors. They had 150. Look at that. These men had 150 grandsons, uh, sons and grandsons, and were all from the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, really? How do you know? We just read the record. Here we go. Now we're going to start getting into this. It just all of a sudden blows into history. But look at this phrase. The family tree of every person in Israel was carefully recorded in the annals of the kings of Israel. Wow, look at that. Well, what do I do with that? Well, you can think it's a lie. Sir spent a lot of time on a lie. And why would you even want to think it's a lie at the time of this writing? You know, these people weren't going, well, we just kind of think. No, they had the record. The Israelites, you know, you know, they they weren't all vagabonds. They stuck together. Their family stuck together. That was <laughs> There was more, like you say, if you had a family, it wound up, that's why they called it a clan. I grew up in, 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 in America, born in 1960, and all I know is Indians. I, when you hear tribe, I'm thinking, you know, Choctaw, Chickasaw, what I'm thinking of those bunch, you know, Indians, the Cherokee and the Sioux Indians, <laughs> whatever. But it would be the Adair tribe. You just, you just, if you were growing up here. So that's what that is. Now, look at that. Look at that. So here we go. Chapter 9, verse 1 still. Judah was exiled to Babylon. Because they worshipped idols. See, that's, that's uh, who's that king? Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 1 gives you that historic information. I mean, some things that was taking place during that time. But at the end of Kings, you actually, it tells you, it shows you. The last king, actually the last couple of three, uh, uh, man, Nebuchadnezzar already came and said, okay, I'm gonna, y'all going to pay taxes from now on. He set up a puppet king, and then that king revolted. And then Nebuchadnezzar came and totally wiped everybody out. And that's all during the time of Jeremiah. Uh, but anyway, so the first to return and live again in their former cities. Wait a minute. What do you mean first to come back? Yeah, remember? Hold this salt, 9 chapter 1. Look where we are. We're at Chronicles. Look at Ezra. Ezra's a quick book. During the first reign of, of King of Syrah of Persia, the Lord fulfilled Jeremiah's prophecy. So see how you got to get Jeremiah ahead of this book. They all, the, all the remaining books are basically news articles about what happened in the historical part. This king here, this is after Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, and the lion's den. Just a few years. Matter of fact, it was only 70 years when they were slaves. They came right back. See, we had slaves in Egypt, and then Moses let my people go. They came out. And then they went right back into slavery again. They were hauled off. So look what he says. By giving King Cyrus the desire to send this proclamation throughout his empire... Uh, he also put it in the permanent realm, records of the realm. Oh, this never happened. It was on the back of a napkin. No, it wasn't. Look at that. Cyrus, king of Persia, memo, email going out. Hereby announces that Jehovah, the God of heaven, who gave me my vast empire. Wow, he knew where to give the credit. Has now given me the responsibility of building him a temple in Jerusalem. Remember, Solomon's temple was destroyed. In the land of Jehovah, look at this phrase, all Jews throughout the kingdom may now return to Jerusalem and build this thing. Now we see what's going on. So let's go back to Chronicles here. We were at chapter 9, verse 1. We see, okay, they, they lost it all because they worshiped idols. The first to return to, again to live in the former cities, families of the tribes of Israel, also the priests. Levites and the temple assistants. Some of these families from the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, uh, they arrived at, at Jerusalem. One family was that, and it's going to list these guys. All right. Why would you do that? Because it was a real event. Here they all come marching home again. Let's just 
click through it. The, the priest, here they come back. Matter of fact, I think they're going to say something about those priests that they couldn't be priests until they found their official genealogy. Look at this. Here's gatekeepers, okay? They're responsible for the royal gate. Shalom's ancestry. Look at that. This guy, Shalom's ancestry, went back through Kor and whatever to Korah. He and his close relatives, the Korahites, were, were in charge of the sacrifices and protection of the sanctuary as their ancestors supervised and garden, uh, guarded the temple. Phinehas and the son of Eliezer was the first director of the division in ancient times. We'll see Phinehas was during the times of 1 Samuel there. Phinehas was one of the sons there. But anyway, no big deal. All these things, they just married together. And the Lord was with him. At the time of Zechariah, son of this guy, he was responsible for the protection of this. Okay, look at that. Look at that. What in the world? 212 doorkeepers. Ah, it's just a little shack. No, it wasn't. This is major temple stuff when they finally had it built. They were chosen from their villages on the basis of their... This is Mickey Mouse. No, on the basis of their genealogies. And they were appointed by David and Samuel because of their reliability. Wow. They and their descendants were in charge of the Lord's tabernacle. Okay. They were assigned on each of the four sides, east, west, north, south. And their relatives in the villages were assigned to help them from time to time for seven days at a time. Wow. Look, they had the records and how to do it. They had four head gatekeepers. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Office of the Great Trust. They were responsible for, look at the rooms and treasuries in the tabernacle. Notice they're saying tabernacle. This was not the temple. The temple didn't get built. They're just showing some history about this was that tent structure thing. Okay. Had the ark in it. Some of them were assigned to care for the various vessels and sacrifices. They checked them in and out to avoid... But look at that. Yeah. Inventory. Yep. Others were responsible for furniture, items in the sanctuary, such as flying, uh, flying. flour, wine, incense, and spices. Yeah, it said wine, didn't it? It sure did. Other priests prepared spices and incense. Okay. Wow. And here's those cakes. You got to make that stuff. Special bread each Sabbath. Look at the, the cantors. Singers. All prominent Levites, they lived at Jerusalem at the temple and were on duty at all times. Wow. They were free from all other responsibilities and were selected by their, there it is again, genealogies. Wow. Wow. See, remember we, we, read, the, the, we read the Christmas story Sunday night. Remember, a decree went out from Caesar Augusta that the world should be taxed. Everybody should go to what? Wherever the, the, the closest polling booth? No, you had to go to your birth town. Wow. Okay, here we go. Keep clicking here. So, it's name some names here, and finally it comes back to Saul again. Here comes Saul again. Let's keep clicking. Head anyway, all right. That'll put us in chapter 10. Here we go. Here's where it goes. So, we just went through chapters 1 through 9. It looks like it's just boring genealogy stuff, but actually, it actually showed us what play, took place, in other words, people-wise, and the records from Adam all the way down to, here we go. This is going to be at the time of just before King David. It just all of a sudden just picks up. The Philistines attacked and defeated the Israeli troops who returned and fled, fled and were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Gilboa. They caught up with Saul and his three sons, Jonathan, Amenadab, and Machisha, and killed them. Saul had been hard-pressed with heavy fighting all around him when the Philistine archers shot and wounded him. Now this story is the same one at the tail end of 1 Samuel. Remember, Saul had been chasing David. Remember, he was in the temple one. I mean, he was in the cave one time. Saul was. He'd been chasing David. David's further back in that cave. Saul goes in there to use the bathroom, you know. 
There's no bathroom in there, so you can imagine how he did it, okay? Remember what happened? David snuck up there and snipped a piece of his clothing off. And he said, sir, if I wanted to kill you, I could have done it. And uh, Saul cried. He said, you're a better man than I am. I'm sorry. You know, but he, David did that to him twice. Anyway, he cried out to his bodyguard. Saul is wounded, okay? Kill me quick with your sword before these uncircumcised heathen capture me and torment me. But the man was afraid to do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell against it and pierced his body. Then his bodyguard, seeing that Saul was dead, he killed himself the same way. See, I'm not going to do it, but I'm telling you, this is First Second Chronicles. Before that is First and Second Kings. Before that is First and Second Samuel. The end of First Samuel tells this story. The start of First Samuel, a guy that saw this ran and told David, he's not king yet, told David, my Lord, Saul's dead. And David says, how do you know? And he tells this story. They didn't have any kind of uh, copying books and stuff like that. How did they know? Well, you know, if it's true, it'll track. Okay, that's what I'm trying to tell us here. Okay, here we go. So when the Israelis in the valley below, okay, anyway, excuse me. So, So Saul and his three sons, they died together. The entire family was wiped out. Okay, when the Israelis in the valley below the mountain heard that their troops had been rooted and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. See, that's the promised land, and they're, they're hightailing it. The Philistines came and lived in them. When the Philistines went back the next day to strip the bodies of the men killed in action to gather the booty from the battlefield, they found the bodies of Saul and his sons. Well, they just thought this was great. So they stripped off Saul's armor, cut off his head, and they displayed them throughout the nation and celebrated the wonderful news before their idols. They fastened his army to the uh, armor to the walls of the temple of the gods and nailed his head to the wall of Dagon, uh, Dagon's temple. Let me fix this cable. Let's make a little racket here. It'll, it'll straighten back up. Oh, quit flashing on us. Okay, so they hang these guys' bodies there. Anyway, but the, when the people of Jabesh Gilead, these are just some real patriots for Israel, when they heard the Philistines what they had done to Philist, uh, what they had done to Saul, their heroic warriors went to the battlefield and they went up to that temple and they, by golly, they took them. They they brought his body back in their in the bodies of his three sons and they buried them beneath the oak tree and they mourned and fasted for several days. Now, now look at this. This is the end of this chapter. See, it's, this is a summation of what happened. Saul died for his disobedience to the Lord because he had consulted a medium. See, they remember that story. He went into the witch of Endor, or what it wasn't, I'm just making the name up, and asked, can I need you to bring up Samuel? Well, Samuel was dead. And Saul had already put out an order, if there's any soothsayer out there, they're going to be killed. And, and, and she freaks out. She goes, because he hid himself, he disguised himself as somebody else. And and uh, the woman, since she was a spiritualist, whatever, she figured it out. She said, you're Saul. And he said, I'm not going to kill you. But anyway, so she conjured up, like trying to conjure up Elvis. She conjured up Saul, I mean Samuel. And Samuel said, hey, man, you're going to be with me tomorrow. <laughs> so Samuel, I mean, so Saul was freaking out. I'm going to die tomorrow. And that's exactly what happened. But anyway, so the Lord killed him and gave, there it is, gave the kingdom to David the son of Jesse. So see, this is a history book that somebody wrote down. Now, here we go. When the leaders of Israel went to David at Hebron, remember, he's running for his life, but he's staying kind of close, you know. And he didn't know these guys are dead. We're your relatives. And even when Saul, our king, you were the one who led our armies to battle. Remember, David has killed his 
thou, no, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. And boy, his boss, King Saul, was mad at David. Remember, David would play the harp for him. And don't forget what else he do. He killed that doggone giant. Man. Okay. A lot of details that are crammed in here. Uh, the big details are over there in 1 Samuel. Okay. So everybody in the kingdom is saying, or all the Israelites are saying, hey, boss, we want you to be our king is what they're saying. You are the one that led our armies to battle and brought them, look at that, safely back again. And the Lord your God has told you, you shall be the shepherd of my people Israel. You'll be their king. Now remember, son of David, have mercy on you. All this stuff is a hoax if this is not so. But it's not. Jesus talked, Jesus mentioned David over and over again. So here, look at these details. So David made a contract with them before the Lord. And that Lord's the same Lord that walked on the water, okay? They anointed him as king of Israel, just as the Lord had told Samuel. Remember Samuel? That's that book of Samuel. He was the little boy, whatever, grew up to be a prophet, whatever. Then David and the leaders went to Jerusalem, or Jabus, as it used to be called. Isn't that something? I grew up, I'm thinking Jerusalem's just Jerusalem. Nope. was once called Jabus, because that's where the Jebusites live. The original habitat of the land lived. But the people of Jabus refused to let the people, I mean, to let them enter the city. Now watch, watch what happens here. This is why it's a historical record. Look what they did. So David captured the fortress of Zion, later called the city of David. And he said to his men, the first man to kill a Jebusite, I'll make him general of my army. <laughs> David didn't like those guys. First to kill a Jebusite will be made commander in chief. Well, Joab, that's his cousin. That's his cousin. The son of Zeruiah, that was his brother's, I mean his, his uh, whatever, is either his father's brother or it's his brother's kid, whatever. I think it's his brother's kid, was the first. So he became general of David's army. David lived in the fortress and that's why the area of Jerusalem is called the city of David. So now you've got Jerusalem and you've got a little part called the city of David. It's not Bethlehem. Bethlehem's like 10 miles down the road. David became more and more famous and powerful for the Lord of the heavens was with him. Wonder what we could take away from that. You and I are the very same. The Lord's with you. David wrote down everything he ever prayed almost, had everybody singing it. Okay, these are the names of some of, of the bravest of David's warriors who also encouraged the leaders of Israel to make David their king, as the Lord said would happen. Jeshebo, whatever, the son of man of whatever. He was the leader of the top three. What? Yeah, this is like. Man, national championship stuff. Look at this. Look at the details. The top three, the greatest heroes among David's men. Once he killed 300 men with a spirit. Now, that's not his grand total of touchdowns all his career. No, he pulled this off on his own. Whoa. The second, the top three, was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, a member of the subclan of... So we got a record, this guy. Well, anyway, he was with David in the battle against the Philistines that passed Damon. This, oh, this is a cool story. Real quick, just a note. You would just know, oh, I remember that day, you know. The Israeli army was in a battlefield and had begun to run away. That means the Israelites were scared they're running off. But he held his ground in the middle of the field. Good grief. Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody. Recovered it and slaughtered the Philistines. And the Lord saved them with a great victory. You're going to notice why it keeps saying the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And boy, if you're going to work for David... You're going to have to know the Lord. Okay. Another time, three of the 30 
went to David while he was hiding in the cave of Adullam. The Philistines were camped in the valley of Raphan. David was in the stronghold at the time. An outpost of the Philistines had occupied Bethlehem. Oh, I remember this story. Look at this. David, this is also in another book. David wanted a drink from, the, from Bethlehem. Well, beside the gate. And he mentioned this to his men. Some of them said, well, boss wants a drink. Why don't we just go get him one? They risked their lives to give him a drink. Now watch what he does here. Okay, so these men broke through the Philistine camp. They got some water, put it in that whatever, that thermos, you know, whatever they had. And they brought it back to David. But look at that. He refused. You would have remembered this. Now they weren't mad. Look what they did. Because see, the Lord is not a hoax. The Lord is not what? That, David's, he's, he's a Christian. He's one of those. Are you kidding Jesus is Lord. This stuff is so real. Look at it. David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord and said, God forbid that I should drink it. It's the very blood of these men who risked their lives to get it. That didn't make those guys mad because they knew it was the Holy One of Israel that has caused them to have great victory, especially that guy out there in the field killed 300 by himself. All right, here's the next one. Abishai, Joab's brother, remember Joab's commander-in-chief, uh, uh, He was Abishab was commander of the 30. He had gained his place, look what he did, <laughs> among the 30 by killing 300 men at one time. Good grief. He is the chief and the most famous of the 30. Look at this. But he was not as great as the three. What? Well, here's some stories. Benaniah, he was actually, Benaniah is actually David's bodyguard. He's with him at all times. They say, sir, don't worry. Don't worry. Whose father was a mighty warrior at Cabez. Let's see. Benaniah, whose father was a mighty warrior. Okay. He killed the two famous giants from Moab. There ain't no such thing as giants. Yes, there were. He also killed, look at this. He also killed a lion in a slippery pit when there was snow on the ground. Once he killed an, an Egyptian who had... No, who was seven and a half feet tall, whose spear was thick as a weaver's beam. We don't know what the heck that is. We'd have to, we'd have to know it's pretty good size, obviously. But Ben and I went up to him <laughs> with only a club, and he, he pulled the spear away, and he beat him with it. Man. Anyway, used it to kill him with it. And he said, oh, oh, by the way, he was nearly as great as the three, and he was famous among the 30. David made him, there you go, bodyguard, captain of the bodyguard. You see Benaniah show up with a big grin on his face when David's fixing to die. Because Benaniah is standing there. Remember that great story in 1 Kings? They're listing the kings. They have a little story about David. David's fixing to die. He has. Remember, he can't. They're worried. He's cold. And so they get him a cute little girl, whatever, young woman to be married to. I forget. Her name's listed too. But anyway, Ben and I are standing right there grinning real big when, uh, when David has to tell Bathsheba that, no, I promised your son Solomon's going to be king because his other son was committing high treason and already claimed himself as king. Ben and I was right there grinning because David said, have him hop on my mule, put trumpets out in front of him, blow him, and, and, and everybody shout, Solomon is king. And uh, anyway, a little note there, it says, and David, and no, it said it, Ben and I, uh, and uh, the high priest, I forgot what his name was, they were real happy to see that. Anyway, okay. Uh, so, other famous warriors. Good grief. Ahaziel, Joab's brother. And then this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. He's going to list some here. Wow. If God before you, who can be against you? You know, 
the Lord's my sword, he's my shield, you know, praise the Lord. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. Anyway, this guy was Joab's, uh, General Joab's armor bearer. Okay, wow. Wow, it's all coming together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, all these guys, all these guys. Let me see what's clicking right here. We're about out of time. Yeah. Yeah, so these are the names of the famous warriors who joined David at Ziklag when he was hiding from Saul. Okay. All of them were expert archers and slingers. They could use their left hand as ready as their right. Like King Saul, they were all from the tribe of Benjamin. But we're not going to go there. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We just appreciate the Lord knowing that, praise God, nobody played any tricks. These are actual records. We can be sure that, praise God, when you died for our sins, you died for our sins. And Lord, you'll take care of us no matter what we're faced with. So, Father, if we're sick in our bodies today, we know you'll take care of us. We trust you to help us. And, Lord, if we're hurting financially, you'll help us there, too. And, and if it's just some other problem, no matter what, just like David said, I, and I've been young and been old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. We're not going to be forsaken either. You'll take care of us. And so that doesn't leave anything left for us to tell others all the details of how the great things you've done for us all these years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, almost did? Okay. Yeah. Well, I almost went on another chapter, but we stopped right at 30 minutes.